0: (laughs) Uh. Well, hello, Northridge. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to welcome those of you watching online, those of you that uh, might be at Brighton and Groziel, all of you who are extremely confused right now. We're so glad that you're here. Today, uh, we're talking about waiting. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how uncomfortable seasons of waiting are. And sometimes your waiting is about 30 seconds, uh, and you get a little fidgety, and you wonder, you know, what do we do right now? Do we clap? Do we, whoo? You know, what do you do in that moment, right? Uh, And then the other times, man, the waiting is a lot longer than 30 seconds, isn't it? Sometimes it's 30 days. Sometimes it's months. It's years that you're stuck in these seasons where you're waiting for something to happen, and what we'll kind of get into this, but one of the things that makes waiting so tough is you're just stuck in this like hopeless, like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I know something should be happening right now, but what should be happening isn't happening. And it's always this wake-up call to this illusion of control that most of the time we kind of find ways to manage to make us think that we do have some kind of control, even when we don't. So I'm in a, personally, I'm in a season of waiting right now. Uh, my wife is nine months pregnant and could give birth literally at any minute. And so I'm just gonna put my phone right there. And we have this deal worked out that if she texts, like I'm going, all right? So just so you know, like if I get the text, I'm just walking out, all right? I'm walking out. If any of you know anything about waiting, come up here and grab the mic, all right? There's a little clock, it'll hit zero and it turns red and you either wrap the message up or they open up a hole here and you drop through the stage. And don't worry about it, Evan has a song at the end, he will fix everything that you say, all right? Uh, Nobody will remember anything, uh, because he'll get up here and it'll be beautiful. So uh, that's, you don't have to worry about a thing. So uh, I know a little bit about waiting, right? But, you know, my season of waiting might be quite different than your season of waiting because I'm waiting for something that, you know, inevitably is going to happen, right? It's just kind of uncomfortable. Is it going to happen like today? Is it going to be two more days before it happens? Is it going to be three more days before it's going to happen? Some of you have been waiting much longer than that, right? And you're not guaranteed how it's going to turn out. So for some of you, what you're waiting for these days is you want to get married. You want to be married more than anything, and it's just not happening right now, and you're just so frustrated. Or some of you are married, and you want to have kids, and that's like the longing. It's the desire of your heart to be a mom or to be a dad. And you've been trying for years, and it's not happening, and you're you're just confused. You're like, why? Like, what? You've been praying about this, and you're like, God, I don't get it. Like, there's other people who don't even want to be parents who accidentally become parents. There's people out there who become parents that don't deserve to become parents, and here we are, we're good people, we're praying, we, we want a son, we want a daughter. Like, it's not happening. Some of you have been waiting for that right job to come along, you just feel stuck in your career right now. Some of you have been waiting for healing in your life, and you've been maybe battling a chronic illness for years and years. And we get stuck in these waiting rooms of life where we're like, God, what's, you know, what's the deal? Like, why? Why, why am I here, here and now? Because I don't want to be here. And I, I think that, you know, there's, we'll get into this. I, I think there's a lot of different reasons for waiting. But I think what's undeniable is that there's a relationship between crisis and transformation, between waiting for what we don't have yet and growth. There's always a connection between those two things. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Because honestly, like when everything is going well in life, are we really in tune and listening to and leaning in to God? I mean, maybe some of you, but like, come on, let's just be honest. For most of us, when life's going good, right? Right and you're sitting around a table with friends and you have good food and good conversation, your marriage is going good, kids are behaving, you have money in the bank. Like, in in those moments, are we really like full of humility and kind of on our face, kind of listening to God? Most of the time, no. Most of the time, we're not even grateful for that stuff. Most of the time, we're kind of living our life like, yeah, this is what's owed to me. This is what I've earned right? This is what I deserve. But man, you let it go dark. You find yourself in a season where what you're waiting for and longing for and praying for is not happening. And then man, what happens all of a sudden you are on your face before God and he fully has your attention. I think that's part of the dynamic that kind of plays out in a lot of this. Because when things go dark, when things aren't happening in the timetable that we want them to happen, all of a sudden that's when we're like, God, why are you allowing this? And God, what are you doing? And what is the purpose of this? And God, are you there? Do you hear me? God, do you care? And I think that this topic is really important, and here's why. If you grew up in a church, you've kind of been around church most of your life, kind of grew up Christian maybe, like you know that most of what church teaches you is how to hear from God. Most of our messages, most of our Bible studies, most things revolve around this concept of how to hear from God, how to know God's voice, how to know God's will, how to know God's purpose for your life. It's all about how how to interpret God's word and his voice and and what he's speaking into your life. But rarely are we ever prepared for God's silence. What do you do when you're like, going through life and you just feel like God is absent and God is silent. And there's a story found in the New Testament, it's John chapter 11, that I think it's a story that a lot of you will be able to identify with because I found that most of us are either, are either coming out of a season of waiting we're in a season of waiting, or we're heading into a season where we're waiting for something in some area of our life. So John chapter 11 is this story that I think will really resonate with some of you. Uh, just quick background. Uh, Jesus has some friends in life, right? And there's a guy by the name of Lazarus who's a buddy of his. Lazarus has two sisters, uh, Martha and Mary. They're friends of his as well. Uh, he's very fond of these people. Their home is kind of a home away from home for him. And that's kind of the context of where we pick up in the story. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm just going to read the whole story to you and just kind of make some commentary as we go through this. And that's kind of the whole message. Um, Unless, uh, nope, she just made pancakes, so, so in case you're wondering. All right, so John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Like two. Why, why would you do that? Like this is a family that you love and Lazarus is obviously very sick. And you're going to, you're just going to wait two more days. Now, here's what I know. What I know is this was not Martha and Mary's plan. It's not their plan. right? When you're friends with Jesus, there's some perks that should come along with being friends with Jesus, right? And, and, and some of the perks should be that when your brother Lazarus, who Jesus loves, by the way, gets sick, then you send word to Jesus and Jesus comes running to heal the person he loves, right? That's a, that's a perk of following Jesus. That's the way it should play out. You know, it's like they, they have this plan, Now, we all kind of have plans for our life, right? And we love the idea of following Jesus until it disrupts our plans and our dreams. That's when all of a sudden, like, we get real uncomfortable. That's where Martha and Mary are. They have a plan. The plan is called Jesus. Like, they've seen this play out. They've been around Jesus. They've seen Jesus heal people that he doesn't even know that he's never met. Just on a whim, he'll walk up to somebody that's blind and make them see. He'll walk up to somebody who's lame and make them walk. They know he has the power to do it. So they send word to him and he waits two days. That's not the plan. He doesn't come, at least he doesn't come in the timing that they thought that he would. And you felt this frustration before. If we could just be honest, let's just be honest. You, you've been in a place before, especially if you're a Christian, where you're like, there should be some perks to being a follower of Jesus. And one of the perks is when I'm stuck and I'm waiting and I'm longing for something to happen that's not happening, one of the perks is I pray to him and he shows up and he does whatever it is he does. You expect Jesus to kind of respond. You've all been in a place where you've had that one thing, right? Where you've prayed, God, I just need this one thing. God, would you just heal my marriage? God, just this one thing, would you heal me of cancer? God, just this one thing, would you please let us have a baby? God, just this one thing, would, would you help me get this job? I need this job more than anything. God, just this one thing. And then nothing. And if we can really be honest, we've probably all been in a place before where we've thought, why am I even a Christian? Right? Why, why, why do I even pray? If I'm going to pray out to God, and then nothing's gonna happen? Like, what, what, Like what's even the point of all this? And it's like, some of you, you've been praying the same prayer for a long time, right? Like, you're one in one of our small group Bible studies, right, that meets, and like, at the end, a lot of times, they do prayer requests, they go out in room, you got anything to pray for. And like, before it even gets to you, people write your prayer request down. They know what you're gonna pray for, because it's what you've been praying for for weeks and months and years. And so we all live with this tension that sometimes... Sometimes God will wait two days. Sometimes he'll wait two weeks. Sometimes he'll wait two decades. Sometimes there's an obvious reason and sometimes, to be honest with you, it makes no sense at all. And the tension of what we do and how we respond to those moments, I think, is critical. And the one truth that we'll see all the way through this story, it's been true in my story and it's true in in your story as well, is that God is still in charge? He's in charge. You get to verse 7 that says this. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back there again? Like like they're like, Why would we go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now that that whole Exchange there is just weird, right? The whole thing, like, it's like, what time out? What Jesus, you're glad you weren't there for your friend's death, right? Like, why? Well, it, he kind of answers it though, right? In verse 15, he says, so that you may believe. So, what he says is, hey, I'm glad that things have happened in the way that they've happened, in other words, I'm glad that they've happened on a timetable, not like your timetable. I'm glad that things have happened, not necessarily in the order of events that you thought they were going to happen because this is going to help you grow up in your belief. In other words, there is, there is a type of growth that happens in our life that can only come when we're in a season of waiting and longing. That's part, that's part of the purpose of waiting. God's... And I want to say this because people get kind of confused about this. I am not saying that God sends pain and trials and confusion and waiting into your life, just so he can detach your hope from other things and attach his hope to him. What I am saying is he will allow the pain and the confusion and the season of waiting to detach you, your hope from other things and reattach it to him. And it may sound like a subtle difference to you, but I think it's really important. Because some of you right now, you're looking at your season of waiting as if God is doing something to you. And I don't believe that. I just don't. I don't believe that God is doing something to you. He might be doing something through you. He might be doing something in you, but I don't think God is doing something to you. So it's like um, this year for me, I went into this year and tried to really set this intention in my life that when I'm in these seasons where I'm waiting, that instead of always asking why, like, God, why is this happening? Why am I in this? Why am I going through this? Instead of asking why, I ask what. What is it that I need to learn from this? What, what is it that I need to know? What is it that I, I need to grow in my life because of this waiting? It, it's like the difference of, of this intention. If some of you look as if life is happening to you, I believe life is happening for you, right? What if you stop looking at your season of waiting as if life is doing something to you or God's doing something to you, and you start looking at it as if maybe life is doing something for you. Maybe God is doing something for you. Maybe there's an opportunity to grow in the season in a way that you couldn't grow any other way. I think it's really important. So we get to verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. We don't know why Mary stayed home. Maybe she was just ticked off. Maybe she's so angry, she's like, I can't even see Jesus right now. I'm so mad that he didn't come when he should have come that I I can't have anything to do with it. Verse 21, it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow. Honest statement, right? If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. She, she's, she's coming from the heart there, right? She's saying this isn't the way it was supposed to be. Right? This isn't the way that this was supposed to go down. In other words, she's haunted by the idea that God could have done something, but he didn't. Which I think, um, for some of you, is a real struggle right now, if you're honest. You're haunted by the fact that God could have done something in your life, but He didn't. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to write a book called Plan B. And uh, I'm not much of a writer at all, but God did some really cool things through that book. And... Um, I was honored to like, be a part of the work that, that book has done. And still to this day, 10 years later, I get letters. People don't mail me directly, but they'll mail the publisher and the publisher sends me these letters. And the book was translated into five or six different languages. So I get letters from around the world. Um, somebody, I don't even know who it is, still buys a ton of books and sends them to prisons. So I get a ton of letters from people in prison uh, who will write. And when you write a book, the book's called Plan B. The subtitle is What Do You Do When God Doesn't Show Up For You In The Way You Thought He Would Show Up. So you might imagine these letters I get, they're not like the most uplifting, encouraging letters. It's usually letters from people whose life has completely fallen apart. They've gone through some pain or they're going through some pain their life has been turned upside down. It's one crisis after another. For 10 years, I've listened to stories from people in crisis. I read, read thousands of letters from people who have been in some kind of crisis. And there's almost always one common denominator when it comes to their pain. At least the deepest pain. The deepest pain is not coming from people who believe or are wrestling with the idea of does God have power or does God not have power? In almost every letter, in the deepest pain, what they're struggling with, the common denominator, is that they actually do believe that God has power. What has brought them tremendous amount of pain in life is they cannot fathom why God did not release His power in their situation. It's exactly what Mary is saying in this moment, right? Mary is not doubting God's power. In fact, she says, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. In other words, you had the power to heal him. She's not doubting his power. She's questioning his timing. right? And, and that's where some of you are right now. You're so frustrated. Not because you're doubting God's power. You believe in God's power. right? In fact, it is your faith that has led you to this heartbreak. Because you know God could have done something, but for some reason he didn't, and it, you, you just can't figure it out. But God could have allowed you to have children. Talked to a, a lady after the last service. One month ago, her son was murdered. And she's like, I'm struggling because I know God could have kept that from happening. In a hundred different ways, God could have kept my son from being killed. But he didn't. Right? God could have kept you from getting fired. Could have kept you from getting bankrupt. Could have kept your basement from being flooded by the rain. He could, Like we could go on and on and on, right? That's what brings us a level of disappointment and pain in our lives. And that's kind of where Marriott is in this moment. And so what you have to begin to understand, this is really hard to fathom. And, and I think there's a lot of us that never quite get there, but hope does not come just from believing in God's power. That's part of it, but that's certainly not all of it. Hope comes also from accepting and trusting His timing. It's, it's, it's both, right? It's both and. It's believing that there's a God who is all powerful and believing in His power, and at the same time also being willing to trust and surrender to His timing. The question is not, can you trust God? The question is, can you wait? Will you wait? Will you surrender your plan to His plan. That's what it comes down to. And here's the thing about spiritual transformation. Here's the thing about growth. This is true for all of us. Um, Growth does not come from getting what you want. It just doesn't. Growth comes from keeping your faith in Jesus and waiting and longing and praying and hoping, even when there's no external reason for you to have hope. Growth always germinates, not in certainty and clarity, but in questions and in crisis. So Mary says, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Then verse 22, she says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. This is huge, right? This is is key. She's honest about, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't happen. Here's my heartache. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm just ticked at you right now. At the same time, I also believe that God could give you whatever you ask. But what she's saying there, and this is the key statement, and this is the goal, right? This is where we all want to get to. She's saying, There's a God and it's not me. And I don't get this, and I don't understand this, and this certainly isn't the plan I had laid out in my mind, but I'm going to trust you because you're God and I'm not. You're all knowing, I'm not. You're all powerful, I'm not. It's a statement of surrender. There's a God and it's not me, right? That we don't like that because again, it gets at this whole illusion of control. You get to verse 43, it says, uh, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did, Put their faith in him. It, it's, it's a powerful story. If you've been around the church at all, you, you know this story. You know where this was going. It's a story that reminds us to never give up hoping no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how long you've been longing and praying and wanting, like keep hoping. Hope changes everything. We have a God that specializes in resurrections. He specializes in hopeless situations. And we're reminded in this story that just because your dream is delayed does not mean it's been denied. It's not. So don't give up hope. But at the same time, as much as I wanna stop there and say, woo, let's go, right? Like, cause that's all true. I think it's also important to realize that waiting does not always lead to the outcome that we want it to. And you know this, that's why the waiting is so hard, right? If you knew that at the end of the deal, at the end of this chapter in your life, you were going to get whatever it is that you're wanting and hoping and longing and praying for, then it wouldn't be near as bad. It would be, you know, uncomfortable, might be a little bit weird, but like, You'd be okay with that, but you know you're not guaranteed the outcome. That's why the waiting is so hard, whether it's two months or two years or two decades. But if you're in the midst of waiting for a miracle, right, what do you do? I think a lot of people think that in the waiting, they're doing nothing. I think in the waiting, you're actually doing one of the most important things that you can do in life. You're allowing your hope to grow up because if you can't be still and wait And lean into God, even when there is no good reason to hope, you can't become the person He created you to be. And one of the most important things that I think you can walk away with today, for those of you that feel like you're in this season where God doesn't know and God doesn't care, and you know, like He's completely absent from your life, you need to know God's silence is not His absence. God's silence is not his absence in your life. Um, I'll tell you this quick story. I've told you before about God winks before. It's kind of a phrase that some people use to refer to these moments in your life where um, you're just reminded of God's love or you're reminded of God's peace. It's that moment where, again, it's not necessarily where you get what it is that you wanted, but it's this moment where, again, you just sense and feel God's presence. Like he just kind of winks at you like, hey, it's gonna be okay. And I've had a handful of these throughout my life. As I tell the story, I wanna be real clear, it's not something that like happens every day. So, but, but I had one of these years ago that I've, I've never been able to forget. It was so powerful in my life. I was in a season where I was waiting and I was longing and praying for and had been for years for something to happen and it was becoming more and more clear to me that what I wanted and longed and prayed for wasn't gonna happen. And I felt confused. I felt angry. I was at a place where I'm like, God, I know you could do this. I know this isn't hard for you, but why is this not happening? And I was really frustrated. And um, I, I can tell you exactly where I was. This will mean nothing to most of you unless you're from Nashville or watching this online right now and you're in Nashville. But I was in Nashville. There's a road called Hillsborough Road. It's a really long road. There's a Green Hills Mall. It's a mall right there, it's in Green Hills and (laughs) duh. And uh, I'm sitting at this red light, right? And I'm I'm just crying. I'm so, I had just finished, I'd done a wedding for some friends and I probably should have been driving home, but I didn't wanna go home and I'm just driving around and I'm just crying. And I stop at this red light. Now, let me go back to like three months before that red light and I'm in Orange Beach, Alabama. On vacation, family, and uh, I lost my sunglasses, which is nothing new. Like I lose, I lose sunglasses all the time. I that's why I buy cheap sunglasses. Like I, I say, average. I don't think I've ever actually bought a pair of sunglasses over fifteen dollars, ever. I, like nine ninety nine, that's the sweet spot for me. Like, I'm good with like cheap sunglasses because I'm gonna have them about three to four months max and I'm gonna lose them. I have no idea where they go. I lose them or break them. They just disappear. It's probably wherever all the pins in my house go, that's where the sunglasses probably are and lots of socks as well. But anyway, I I lose them, so I buy cheap glasses. So I walk into the sunglass store. It's one of those sunglass stores where there's like 10,000 pairs of sunglasses, right? So I'm just looking around, it's like, all right, I need a pair of sunglasses, right? So finally I find a pair, I walk out, uh, my boys are there and um, <laughs> they were like, dad, why, why did that take so long? Why are you in there forever? I'm like, boys, there's like 10,000 pairs of glasses in there, right? It took a while to kind of sort through and find a pair. And they're like, there was 10,000 pairs of glasses in there and you bought those? I'm like, yes, what's the matter with these? And they're like, one of my sons is here right now. And um, they, they're always making fun of my clothes or whatever, like they love to pick on me about that stuff. And I was like, what's the matter with the glasses guys? And they were like, they look really feminine. Like, those have to be girls' glasses. Like, they are not girls' glasses. Like, these are totally guy glasses. Later on that day, uh, I took a picture of of us and put it on Instagram. I'm not kidding you. 60 seconds later, one of my best friends texted me. He's like, dude, where did you get the girls' glasses? Like, they're not girl glasses. They're guy glasses. So uh, anyway, so I had these glasses. It's not these, I I mean, heck, I've been through 10 or 12 pairs of glasses since I bought those, but uh, I borrowed these. These are quite manly glasses, I think. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, three months later, I'm sitting there in my car at this red light and I'm crying so hard that I have to take the sunglasses off to wipe my eyes. And I go to wipe my eyes and I look down and on the inside of the sunglasses, there was like a little writing that I'd never seen before. And I looked at it real, cause it was tiny. I'm like, what is that? And it said PS 18 colon two, which stands for Psalms 18:2. i I'm like, whoa. I'm like, not only do I have cheap girl glasses, these are cheap Christian girl glasses. Like Psalms, eight, so I'd just done that wedding. So I had my little black wedding Bible that I always use for weddings. I have no idea why I do that, but um, it was there in the seat. And so I grabbed it. So I'm like, Psalms 18:2, Like, I got to look this up right now. And so I look up this verse and it says this, Psalms 18:2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. And in that moment, I felt just a tremendous amount of peace come over me. This kind of peace where God's saying, hey, hey Pete, listen, you are so focused on this unsurmountable unsurmountable circumstance. You're so focused on this situation, this circumstance that you think needs to be very different than it is. You're, You're like, you're so worried about that. And what I want you to do right now is just lean back into me. I am your hope, I am your strength, I am your place of safety. And if you never ever get what it is that you think that you want, it's okay. It's like this God wink, and I did. I just, in that moment, felt a tremendous amount of peace. And I'll be honest with you, that situation I was praying for never happened the way I wanted it to happen. It didn't. Never got what it was I was longing for and praying for. But what I did get was so important to me and continues to be to this very day that I have this God that even when he's silent he's not absent he's there and whatever it is that you're going through whatever it is that you're waiting for right now he is with you and what he longs for you and it's okay hey it's okay to want it's okay to long it's okay to be praying for whatever it is that you desperately want to have that's okay God gets that where do you think those desires come from? It's fine, but ultimately what he wants, even in the midst of that, is for you to lean back into him, to take a big deep breath and understand that he is your rock, he is your power, he is your strength, he is your place of safety. Now, am I saying with that story that God, like years ago, led some man or some woman to start a sunglass store in Orange Beach, Alabama, and then like at some point he like randomly led them to find this line of sunglasses that are, you know, Christian inspired and they are, it's a Christian guy that owns a sunglass company and he puts that on the inside of his, You might want to check your glasses right now. You might have Christian glasses, uh, but uh, there's tons of them out there. He puts that little verse on the inside of every one of his glasses. You know, did God lead that sunglass owner to find that line of glasses and then, you know, months before my meltdown, you know, God led me into all the different sunglass stores and in that particular store, and that God kind of directed my hand towards those girls' sunglasses, you know, and picked those up. And that three months later, then in that moment of desperation that God, you know, leads me to take my glasses off and laser focus my eyes down to that verse in the exact moment that I needed it. Am I saying that, like, God, like, orchestrated all those things? No. I'm not saying that because I'm never going to pretend to know the ways of the Lord. What I am saying is that he, he could have. He could have. That's the kind of God that we have. His silence is not absence, and he loves you, and he does have a plan, and he hears your prayers, and he hears your cries. He's with you. And maybe in this season it has more to do with what he's trying to do in you and through you than the circumstances that you're waiting and longing for. See, it's just becoming more and more clear to me in my life that the work of getting where it is that I want to be is really all about learning how to accept where I am today. And what if for you, like the work of you getting to where it is you want to be is really just about you learning to accept where you are today. Accept that, have gratitude for that, surrender to that. Lean into God and his power and his strength and his safety and his plan for your life. And I'm not saying that's easy, but man, when you can get to that place, because listen, the peace and the joy, all the things that we're looking for, it doesn't come from you getting what it is that you want. And we know that, right? I mean, how many times in your life have you got what you wanted? Thousands. And did that leave you with the lasting peace and joy in your life? No, because we all know that the peace and the joy doesn't come from getting that thing or that circumstance or that situation to go the way we want it to go. The things that we're looking for only come from surrendering to a much larger plan for our life and trusting, not just believing in his power, but trusting in his timing. So my prayer for all of us is that we can get to that place where we can take that plan that longing of our heart, that dream of our heart, and just say, here it is. This is is what I want, God. But ultimately, I surrender this to you. I'm gonna trust you, not just your power, but also your timing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for um, allowing us the opportunity to be here to worship you. It's been an incredible day of worship. And God, I... (laughs) I don't think I can with a sincere heart right now pray and thank you for seasons of waiting because, oh, they're difficult. And there's some people that are here today that are stuck in a season of waiting and they're not, they're not where they wanna be. Some of them are upset. Some of them are depressed about it. Some of them are just flat out angry and ticked off at you, God, because you haven't shown up for them in the way that they thought you were gonna show up. It's a very frustrating place to be in these waiting rooms of life. And yet, God, we know. We know that there's a possibility of so much growth that can germinate in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the crisis. So God, whatever plans, whatever dreams that each one of us has right now, we surrender those to you. We surrender them to you. we make the powerful declaration that there is a God and it's not me. I'm not in control. And I may not get it. I may not understand it. I may not even like it. But I've trusted you with my eternity, so I'm gonna trust you with this situation. I've trusted you with my eternity, so I'm gonna trust you with this day. And I'm gonna lean into you because you are my strength, you are my hope, you are my place of safety. God, thanks for bringing us here today for one big massive God wink to remind all of us that your silence does not equate to your absence, for you are with us every step of the way. So God, we'll wait, we'll wait on you because we not only believe in your power we trust in your timing. It's in your holy and your precious name that we pray. Amen.